scary girl. Take my hand, sweet joy. That's a different song. Which was not my favorite song off that album. I always skip it. I mean, I like it okay. It's fine. Girl, where do you think you're going? <sighs> On to the next track. <laughs> Thank you, Eric. Thank you, Eric. Oh, Eric's back. Oh, did you hear him, guys? He was real. He was there, Eric. He's uh, Nope, he's disappearing into the, into the, sound like a into the darkness. He just went, ooh. <laughs> Hey guys. That's Stephanie. That's Sarah. And this is Dead Time Stories. Welcome to episode nine. Episode nine. Look We're almost us. up to the double digits. I know. It's crazy. It's exciting. Our podcast is so old now. Old, I know. I was going to make a horrible joke that I don't want to make and I've already forgotten it. So don't even ask. But I mean like, so how long are we going to be doing this? <sighs> That's a great question. How long, are, how long is this? So how long is this going to? I mean... I'm joking off of what Peter said to you earlier. Oh, yeah. One like, of our oh, roommates, so yeah, I was like, a... I thought you guys did that. And we're like, yeah, like we're... St- it's going to keep st- going. So how long are you going to do how that? How long are you guys doing that? And we can make that joke because he doesn't listen to this podcast. It's <laughs> <laughs> true. It's true. I love Peter. But yeah, no, he does I love not him, listen. But he doesn't no listen. So Peter was like, did not understand the concept of... This is a recurring thing. Right. He's like, oh. That's, that's cute. Cool. How long are you guys going to do that and for? Like, oh. Thanks, Peter. Forever. I mean, as and long as I can get Sarah to meet with me weekly once we're not living together anymore. So like another two weeks. I'm oh, just kidding. That sounds like you. Shut up. Oh. Are you serious? Excuse me. I'm not, that's a not joke. answering. I'm drinking my We had a friendship sunrise. before we lived together. And we will have a friendship after we live together. Don't play me. True. So I was going to talk about Shop Miss A for a quick banter before we get into our stories because I have a long story today. Tell me about that Shop Miss A. Shop Miss A. Oh my God. So Shop Miss A. Um, they have not endorsed us. Oh what are, no! What's but real saying? fast, I'm going to say another reason I know Shop Miss A is because they are based in Texas. Texas. They yeah. are based in Grapevine, Texas, which is of course where I'm from because we are both some Southern ladies. Get it, we're all Southern Texas. bitches. Yes. So, North like Carolina, yours, come on and raise up. Is. Take your shirt off. Twist it around your head like a hell of a song. song. Um, so okay. Shop Miss A, it's a like a dollar makeup store, and it is bomb. Um, and they've started oh, making is. some stuff that's a little more than a dollar, but it's like, it's worth, it's still like totally cheap for what it is. Um, but I've been needing to order like a magnetic makeup palette with a mirror in it. Cause I have all these like Ipsy things that have been like this cool eyeshadow from Urban Decay and like this awesome highlighter. And I'm like, that's cool. But like, I don't want to keep it in this like cardboard <laughs> box that you send it to be in. And I'm going to put them all in this little palette and it's going to be cool. But I also got a bunch of lipsticks. and Ugh, Always because they have a shit ton of it's all a dollar. different colors. So you can try whatever you want. I remember getting on there and being like, I think I want to try this blue. I don't know. I'm a little scared. Yeah. Wait, it's only a dollar. Yeah. So I ordered like six liquid lipsticks, but then... Yeah. They also had I'm I've been like mad about liquid lipsticks lately and before I used Why? to only be stick lipsticks. I don't know. Oh I don't my know. God. There's just been some that have what come What did they do to you? Did one of them look at you wrong? No, they're just oh, why didn't I like You're them mad before? At it. Yeah. I don't know. You were mad at them. So I'm like, did they talk shit was... about you behind your back? <laughs> I was just never good with it. I don't know. I was never into them. But then mm. I got a couple from Ipsy that I really liked. Um and then I ordered a couple from Shop Miss A that I really liked. Like one of my favorite lipsticks is a Shop Miss A lipstick. Um but I ordered six more, and then I ordered regular lipsticks, which I haven't bought in a while because I've been in love with the liquid lipsticks, called Vamp, and it's, like, six different, like, purple colors, and I'm really excited about it. But, yeah, <laughs> that's all I have to talk about. This is your shot, Miss Oh, I. and I bought a new car. You were there with me for that. I was. That was oh my how God, I was you guys. July 4th. 
That's, yeah. I was like, that was a whole thing. My car, my previous car, which Sarah gave me because she's a generous and kind person, <laughs> um, that car died. It lasted me six months, which was six months longer than I would have had a car without it. Six months longer than I thought it was going to last. And then the very idea that I had to go back to mass transit, I just I couldn't. So we went out on July 4th and we got me a new little, a new little car that I'll be paying for for five years. And it's Welcome okay. to the new car family. I just got out of debt in May and now I'm... I got a new car. Welcome to dead time stories. Welcome to debt time stories. Girl. Those girl. are the real scary stories. Those are the ones that Ooh, keep that's you up at night. Keep me up at night. Yeah, for real, though. For real. This is, Here's your student legit. loan balance. Ooh, that's, that's scary, scary girl. girl. Yeah, no, I finished paying off my student loans and now I have, now a, you car. have a car loan. So that's, 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 Welcome that's, that's, that is twice group. as much as my student loans. Well, thank God you're not paying your student loans anymore. <laughs> that's true. Oh, my God. That's going to be our spinoff. If you want to subscribe to our Patreon, it's going to be called Debt Time Stories. Right, where and we it's just where we tell just you really terrifying about stories being about being in debt and people poor. talk about the money that they owe and how horrible it is. Yeah, and how we are all just doomed. So, you know what? Buy that beer. This is a fun episode. Do that shop, Miss A. <laughs> purchase. Girl, I did it. I can't wait. I'm excited, but it's going to get here and I'll be out of town filming. Yeah, you will. That's next weekend. Anything. That's, yeah. Yeah, this... Well, today is Sunday. Oh, somebody really... Come on in. Oh, you guys, we have a guest. <laughs> we have an unexpected guest today. Is it a ghost? It's Eric! It's Eric! Welcome back to the show, Welcome Eric. back to the show, Eric. Eric's back. Eric's passing through. Is he through. getting laundry? Is nope. he floating? No, he's walking. It's fine. It's his wallet. Oh, his money was down here, you guys. We could have stolen God that this whole time. It. Bye, Eric. Oh, I think we heard him. I think he came through. He said, have fun. Did you guys hear that? That was the ghost of Eric. He said, have fun. What are you talking about this week, Sarah? Something stupid. Um... <laughs> <laughs> okay. Sorry. <laughs> it's working. It is. There's just something There's else. something there that's scaring me. I know, but it's still recording. Who knows? Nice. I'm sorry. I heard that. I know. That's Stephanie putting her drink down violently. <laughs> violently. Um, all right, everyone. <laughs> Why I oughta. To the moon. Um, here on episode nine, I'm going to talk about another local story. So we're taking it right back home, and I'm going to tell you about the Twin Tunnels of Downingtown. Philadelphia. Philadelphia. That's not Philadelphia. Not. Downingtown is, where is that, Delaware? No, 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 no. It's I mean, it's in Pennsylvania, but oh. it's in what Chester County or another county, a neighboring county. Yeah, one of them. Sure. <laughs> I don't. I didn't write it down. Um, whatever. It's like an hour outside of here. Hour and a half. Okay, so this is a story about the twin tunnels of Downingtown. Um, now they're located on Valley Creek Road in Downingtown, PA, and these tunnels have become victims fixtures of local lore where they are tied to strange happenings, unquiet spirits, and unsolved murder. Ooh, bitch. That's scary, girl. All right, so the twin 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 twinnels. The twin twinnels of twinnels. The twin tunnels is misleading because it's actually a set of three tunnels. Oh shit. I know, right? There's your first turn. I thought I thought it was going to be like it's one tunnel that they call it the twin tunnels, but for some reason it's weirder that it's three that they call the twin tunnels. Three. They just choose to ignore one of them, maybe. I don't know. Um, so one of them carries a tributary of the Brandywine Creek, 
Um, it's shallow enough to be navigated wearing like hip boots, but it's not necessarily something that you like really are going to walk through or is regularly traversed. Okay. Um, the second on the other side is empty, just a narrow sort of sandy hole. So you've got these two on the outer going? sides. Oh, girl. So they're on the outsides and you've got the one in the middle. Um, now the one on the second that's empty, even though it's empty and just a narrow sandy hole, uh, legend has it, it's been used for dark rituals and sacrifice. That's where I would do mine. Of course. Yeah. You know, empty tunnel. People don't use it. Of course, the Satan worshipers are going to use it. Yeah. Free run. Um, the middle is where the road passes through. And though the road coming up and going out is incredibly charming... The inside of the tunnel is narrow and dark, even during the daytime. Of course it is. In the middle of the tunnel is a vertical air shaft that leads up to the railroad bed above. Now, legend has it that in the 1800s, a young woman in town became pregnant out of wedlock. Driven out of town with her child, she hung herself from this air shaft while holding her baby. Damn. So when she died, the baby fell to its death. There it is. That's just scary. That's like gross. So legend has it. Yeah. She w- was pregnant out legend of wedlock. Legend has it. Had a baby, uh, hung herself, and then the baby fell. Damn. I assume she, she was. She hung herself while she was still pregnant, but mm-hmm. no, she hung herself holding the baby and then dropped the baby. Yes. Um, it's rumored that if you go to the tunnel at night and park underneath the air shaft and turn off your car. Oh, but why would you? And your headlights. Uh, you will hear the baby crying. Oh. Um, You'll also hear the sounds of another ghost. According to legend, a man hung himself from the wire above that connects all three tunnels. If you park in the tunnel again, turn everything off, you can hear his footsteps, followed by the sound of a wire snapping. No, ma'am. Some have even claimed to see the ghostly apparition of his hanging body while driving through at night. Yeah, no, to hell with that. So these are all... Why should we go there to hang themselves? Girl, I don't know. Uh, These stories have worked their way through local folklore. And as a result, of course, it's impossible to prove or disprove them completely. So a lot of it's legend. So we don't know if it's true. We don't. It might be. It might not. Um, However, there is one grisly tale that is entirely true and fairly recent. In 1995, a maroon suitcase wrapped in a green garbage bag was found in the creek near the tunnels. The suitcase was bound with wire and taped shut. Inside was the dismembered torso of a woman. It was nude, wrapped in a sheet, and inside of a quilt bag. She had been dismembered from the pelvis down, and her legs were missing. Even though she was very decomposed, she'd been stuck inside uh, that suitcase and then submerged in water. They were still able... Yep. They were still able to take fingerprints and DNA. Did they still identify her? Mm-hmm. Damn. Well, all right. Uh, mm-hmm. They were able to take fingerprints and DNA. However, she wasn't in the system. They couldn't match her And to this day, she remains unidentified. Damn. And the circumstances that led to her being murdered and crammed in a suitcase remain unknown. A solid awful. six months later. A partially skeletal and incredibly decayed pair of legs were found wrapped in a garbage bag in Middleton Township, 20 miles away from the tunnels. They were too decomposed to definitely match the torso. But however, the medical examiner said they seemed to fit. 
with the remains. To this day, her murder remains a mystery, as well as her actual identity. They made facial reconstructions of her face. They passed those around. Those are all online to be seen. We will attach pictures of the facial reconstruction. Um, However, she has never been identified. Um, However, it has said in the tunnels at night, you can often hear her voice pleading, help me. The fuck with that? And there's graffiti often appearing on the tunnel walls, serving as an unofficial memorial, though it's usually macabre in nature, with the most well-known piece featuring a crude drawing of a suitcase with an arm sticking out and the haunting words above saying, help me. Oh, Christ almighty. I heard another, I only read this one place, but another one said that if you go there again with your car and you park underneath the uh, shaft, you'll hear like footsteps and banging on the top of your car. Oh, ma'am. No, ma'am. No, ma'am. Um, so that's Every a little bit of... she walks lo- the beaches of Cheyenne. It's a little bit of local folklore. It's super duper short. Fuck that. Um, but that's the Twin Tunnels in Downingtown. I don't That's like in that. Downingtown, PA. I mean, you did good uh, again, work, but I don't like that. Two people apparently hung themselves. I want to take like a quick second to get things like really serious for just like one second. Oh, no, because I was about to drink my drink. That's okay. Take your drink. Because uh, it's mainly going to be me talking. I almost didn't do this story, and you were there with me last night. Yeah. Because this story features suicide. Yeah. And I just recently found out that a friend of mine from high school took their life last week. And as much as we talk about death and as much as we, to a certain degree, I don't want to say make light of it or anything like that, but we talk about it, it's something we want to address in our podcast. I think that is something that everyone needs to address. And I think that is something that needs to be talked about. And that's a part of life. But I also think that if you're suffering and you're feeling alone and you need help, please reach out. Because even if people haven't talked to you for years, it's going to affect so many and so many people are going to miss you and your life as much as you feel like it's not worth it and you don't need to keep going and things seem so terrible your life matters to so many people whether you know it or not and I just wanted to take a second after telling like a really you know folklore we don't know if it's true or not story about suicide to say I had something touch me recently and I just uh want to make it known you know We listen to this, we talk about this, but we're not advocating in any sense anything like that, that we want to make it light and we want to make it like it's not a big deal that we, that these people have died and that these lives have been lost because we understand that every single one of them is impactful. Yeah. But it's also very important to discuss it because it is a part of our life and it's a part of our circle and this universe that we're all together and creating. And that's just my little two cents and um, my little emotional moment. Yeah, no, I mean, taking, yeah, taking a moment for, like, reverie, I'm totally okay with that. We both, was, we both talked a lot about, like, our fascination with death, but, like, both of us have lost a parent. Like, that's something we both dealt with that's very real. And, and you know, you lost this person who took their own life, and I was telling you on Independence Day, like, I know somebody who was murdered, like, someone I grew up with who was, like, a good friend. So, like, we make a lot of, like, lighthearted jokes, and, like, we try and keep it, like, fun here, but, like... To be real, like, this is, like, you know, we talk about some terrible things. So, you know, take it with a grain of salt. But, like, I'm of the mind that, like, when my when my mom died, right, like, I made a joke about it. Like, 
as we walked out of the hospital to my sister. And, like, it's just one of those things where I kind of feel like the things that are, like, really awful, we make jokes about them because the only other thing is to cry. Like, they're such terrible things. And to me, like, it's not a way of not dealing with something. It's, like, a way of helping to process, like, something that's so awful. So, like, I feel like we make a, like, we laugh a lot when we talk about really awful stuff. But it's, like, really it releases tension because, like, these things are, like, really terrible. And if you don't laugh about them, like, you'll cry because they're pretty awful. And that's also a totally reasonable response. So, yeah, I feel you. And I love you. And I'm here, girl. Thank you. And on that, I'm uh, going to take a drink and I'm going to say, you tell me your story. Oh, my God. Let me take another drink of my drink. Let me clink, clink. And cl- let's cheer. Yeah, cheers. Mm. Love you, girl. I maybe hear it. Love you. So <laughs> uh, we've taken up getting a, a friendly relationship with uh, another podcast called the Southern Spirits Podcast. We have. That's true. And nothing has been made official yet. It's true. We're just going to do it. We're just giving them a shout out because we like them. We both started listening to them and we're, you know, becoming solid fans of what they do. Right. They're awesome. And they're another pair of Southerners who love to talk about spooky, macabre shit, ghosts and stuff. Um, And they're really great, Leah and Mitch. Mm -hmm. So um, one thing that they mentioned in passing was um, Leah was talking about a haunting that took place in the South. And she mentioned the Barney and Betty Hill case, but they weren't going to talk about it because it takes place in New Hampshire, and they focus specifically on Southern stories. So thank you, Leah and Mitch. So thank you, Leah and Mitch. Right, we're going to take this story so, and we're going to run with it. I was like, you know, well, we live up north, y'all. Um, we live in Philadelphia, um, but we will uh, talk about a haunting that happened in New Hampshire. Well, it's not haunting. Sorry, it's a case. It's a, it's a but it's some fucking extraterrestrial shit there it is so aliens aliens so um barney and betty hill it's actually aliens and that's an m light Shyamalan milan movie that i have seen which one aliens signs signs i was like it's not called aliens (laughs) he doesn't have it's the one with aliens Aliens. it's called signs yeah i've seen signs and you what do you think of it I liked it. Right? You liked it. The thing is, you like the first M. Night Shyamalan movie you see, and then you see more of them, and you're like, oh, he's got this gimmick. But, That's like, true. some of them I really like. Like, I really like The Village, but I'm the only person I know who likes The Village. I haven't seen that one. Do you know about the twists of The Village? I think so. Okay. Oh, because we watched The Sixth Sense, you yeah, guys. Yeah, like, we didn't talk about this yet. We didn't. And Sarah really liked it. Even Even knowing what you knew. I did. I was it's still, still crying good. at the end. I it's still good. It. I'm like, even knowing what you know, it's still a great movie. It's Ooh, so good. Um, but yeah, The Village is another M. Night Shyamalan movie, and I saw it in theaters three times. Oh my God. <laughs> Not on purpose. The first time I went to see it with Mary Angela, who hated it, by the way. <laughs> um, went to see it with her and somebody else. The second time I went to see it was um, there had been a hurricane and all the power was out in my town, right? But like, the hurricane had passed, so everything was fine. So we were trying to find something to do. And everybody was like, let's go to the movies. What do you want to see? And everybody was like, let's see The Village. And I was like, well, I've already seen it. And everybody was like, well, we want to see it. So I saw it a second time. And then the third time I saw it was with somebody who was like, let's go to the movies. What do you want to see? The Village. Well, I've seen it twice already. Well, there's nothing else that I want to see. I was like, okay. So I saw oh, it three fine. times. <laughs> right. But I do like it. But I'm the only person I know who likes it. I could regale you with it. but We can all just agree, though. The happening was the worst thing that he's ever done. <laughs> well, that's why, and I'm putting that above Avatar: The Last Airbender. Oh my god, girl! As being the worst, but like the happening is worse than we're Avatar. Gonna, we have to watch The Village because I have to see how you feel about it. Because so far, I'm the only person I know who likes it, but I like it a lot. It's really good, and it's got a lot of great people in it: Scorny Weaver, William Hurt, 
Um, Joaquin Phoenix, Bryce Dallas Howard, Adrian Brody, Kitty. What's her real name? Oh, shoot. Kitty Sanchez for rest of all. I know her. I know She's her also name. Carol Cheryl. I know she is. Carol Cheryl. Oh my God. I'm so I hate sorry, myself right Kitty, now. Because we love you and we know you're in everything. <laughs> what is her name? I'm going to look gonna her look up right up now. And you can, so we can give her a shout out. Yes, because I feel like such a jerk because she's fantastic. I'll cut this. Right. I know you will. Judy Greer. I knew Judy that. Greer. I so knew that. If yes. I saw it in a lineup. She's in it. That should have been our shot in the dark question. Oh, my God. <laughs> oh I also made a mention that we're just basically going to steal bits from, from every other, other podcast. podcast. Today, that podcast we're not going to make spirits. up any of our new stuff. We're just um, going to steal I'm drinking a classy Jose Cuervo traditional. I don't know what I'm drinking, <laughs> but it has alcohol in it. So Barney and Betty Hill lived in Portsmouth, New Hampshire. Barney worked for uh, the United States Postal Service, and Betty was a social worker. And they were both active in the Unitarian Congregation and members of the local NAACP. Barney sat on the board of the United States Commission on Civil Rights. They were an interracial couple, which was not very common in the 50s and 60s. Uh, Barney was African-American, and Betty was white. Oh, shit. Yeah. All right. So September 19th, 1961 is where our story begins. All right. Um, approximately 10.30 p.m. So they were driving back from vacation in Niagara Falls in Montreal, south of, uh, I don't know if it's, like, Pennsylvania, it's Lancaster, or if it's Lancaster, New Hampshire. Like a normal group, but let's say Lancaster. Let's go with Lancaster, yeah. Um, Betty saw a bright point of light move in the sky from what she believed was below the moon and Jupiter upwards toward the west of the moon. And at first she believed it to be a falling star, but it was moving upward. And she uh, it began to move erratically, and it got bigger, and Betty urged uh, Barney to pull over and investigate slash walk the dog, Delcy. And they stopped at a place called Twin Mountain. This is in the White Mountains is the name of the mountain range. Okay. So using binoculars, they watched the odd-shaped craft traveling across the moon's face and flashing multicolored lights. Betty's sister had claimed to have seen a flying saucer the year before, so Betty was like, I've... I know what this shit is. That's a flying saucer. I've been like, told about this. this. Right? Um, so Betty was particularly interested. Barney thought it might be a commercial airliner, but without turning, it changed directions, right? Because it was like mm-hmm. saucer shaped. So it didn't turn. It just kind of like whoop, 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 like changed directions. Huh. And that's when he was like, that ain't no plane, bitch. <laughs> Um, so it started, it changed directions and it began descending towards them and oh, they were like, no, fuck no, this. No. Um, he got back in the car, uh, and he started driving towards, uh, Franconia Notch, which is a narrow pass through the mountains. It's since been paved as an interstate, but parts of it are still only one lane each way because it's really narrow in its geography. So they continued driving along the road, uh, and the object got closer. Eventually, it descended over the car no. facing the hills to stop, uh, and it stopped them from, like, going down the highway, and, like, it blocked all their vision. Like, all they could see was this spacecraft, because it was so huge. No. Um, <laughs> no. We already passed Independence Day. I don't he, need this. He had a pistol in his pocket, and Barney stepped out of the car with the binoculars, he claimed to see between, with the binoculars, like, looking up at it, claimed to see somewhere between 8 to 11 humanoid figures peering out of the craft's windows, wearing shiny black uniforms and red capes. So in unison, all of them but one moved over to, like, a panel over on the wall, and the one remaining figure stayed at the window and made direct eye contact no. with him. 
with Barney and it communicated like it wasn't speaking. It was like telepathic. <gasps> no. Uh, stay where you are and no. keep looking. No. No. Run away. I know. Run away. Fucking horrifying? Run away. Run away. So Run away. Do the opposite. Bat light wings <gasps> with uh, with red lights telescoped out of the sides of the craft and it started to approach silently. So it didn't make any sound, but it was huge. Barry tore the binoculars away uh, from his eyes and he ran back to the car and he was screaming, they're going to capture us. <gasps> Speeding away, the hills, which is, that's their family, right? They're Betty and Barney and Betty Hill. Uh, the hills heard beeping and buzzing overhead. Um, and uh, at the back of the trunk of the car, it sounded like it was, like, bouncing off the track of the, the trunk of the car. Um, they felt their bodies start to vibrate, and then they began to lose consciousness. Um, they heard a second series of beeps and buzzes, and it brought them back to full consciousness, and they were 35 miles south of where they had been. <gasps> Only vague, spotty memories of the road. They recalled making a sudden, unplanned turn, encountering a roadblock, and observing a fiery orb in the road. That was all they could remember. So they arrived home, right, um, around dawn, and they had sensations and impulses that they couldn't explain. Betty insisted on leaving the luggage at the back door and not in the house. She couldn't explain why, but she was like, "Leave, leave all the luggage by the door. I don't want it in the house. Um, their watches stopped working. Their watches didn't work anymore. Um, the strap from the binoculars was torn, but Barney didn't remember tearing it. The toes of his best dress shoes were scraped. Barney was compelled to examine his genitals in the bathroom, but mm. found nothing unusual. Like, something was like, I gotta check my Go junk check out. My right. Junk. Oh. And, but, like, he didn't see anything, like, weird about it. They tried to piece together... Um, what had happened, but both of them lost memories after the beeping and buzzing and the vibrating in the car uh. and couldn't remember anything that happened after that. So Betsy was like, I got to get some, or Betty was like, I got to get some sleep. So after a few hours, she woke up and she decided to put the clothes away that she was wearing. When she went to put the clothes away in the closet, she noticed at this time that the dress was torn at the hem, the zipper and the lining. So the dress had been like, looked like it had been like ripped off of her a little bit. Later, when she was retrieving it, she noticed it had, like, pink powder on it. But she um, hung it up out on the clothesline, uh, and the powder, like, went away. Um, five laboratories conducted chemical and forensic analysis analyses of the dress over the next several years, but nothing conclusive was found. Uh, there were also shiny concentric circles on the trunk of the car that had not been there the day before. Betty and Barney experimented with a compass. Um, when they moved the compass close to the, the circles, the needle would start to whirl around. Mm. And when they would pull it away, it would just go back like mm. nothing had happened. Within days of the encounter, Betty borrowed a UFO book from the local library and started getting her shit together. I bet she did. Okay. So remember, the initial incident was September <sighs> 19th, 1961. So I have a couple of things that happened over the next couple of months. Okay. So that happened initially on the 19th, September okay. 19th. Got it. Uh, so September 21st, Betty called the Pease Air Force Base to report the UFO encounter, but she left out some details because she didn't want them to think she was crazy. So she was like, okay, well, this is, some, this is what I remember, and I don't know about this, and I don't know about that. On September 22nd, Major Paul W. Henderson called the Hills for a more detailed interview. His report uh, is Report 100-1-61, Air Intelligence Information. Uh, was forwarded to Project Blue Book, which is the U.S. Air Force UFO Research Project. I thought that was how they ranked cars. That's Kelly Blue Book. Oh. 
<laughs> I like the wink there that they missed <laughs> on the podcast. Um, September 26th, Betty writes a letter to retired Marine Corps Major Donald E. Kehoe, who is the head of the NICAP, which is the National Investigation Committee of the Aerial Phenomenon. And he's the guy who wrote that library book she checked out. All right. All right. She went straight to the source. Right. Uh, she related her full story to him, including about the figures that Barney had seen, which because he didn't tell anybody about that. Yeah. Like up in the in the windows. Yeah. Uh, she wrote that they were considering hypnosis to recall what had happened. The letter was eventually um, passed on to Walter N. Webb, who's a Boston astronomer and another NICAP member. On October 1st, Betty begins having a series of what she describes as the most vivid dreams she has ever had in her entire life, okay? Damn. For five nights in a row. Are we sure she's not pregnant? Because <laughs> I feel like that's also a symptom. Right. She mentioned them to Barney, and he was sympathetic but unconcerned, so she Sounds dropped like them. like a man. Right? And they stopped after five nights, okay? So she had them for five nights, and then they stopped. October 21st, Walter Webb, the Boston astronomer and the other NICAP member, he met with the Hills and conducted a six-hour interview where Barney asserted that he had developed a mental block and that there were some portions of his memories that he didn't want to remember. Describe, he described the craft and the figures inside to the best of his ability. Webb believed them to be telling the truth with minor uncertainties and technicalities that must be tolerated where human judgment is involved. So things like the exact time that it took, the length of how far away he could actually see, how big it was exactly. That kind of stuff. That's stuff that, like, people mess up all the time. People are just wrong about that in general. So then there's this whole thing called Betty's Dreams. Mm. So remember, he was like, girl, like, I feel you. Like, some weird shit happened and we can't remember probably, but, like, it's cool. Don't worry about it. So in November, Betty begins to write down her dreams. And she recalled a roadblock and men surrounding the car. Uh, struggling with her consciousness, being led by small men who were, like, five feet to five foot four into the woods. Barney was close by, but almost sleepwalking, like that kind of state where, like, he wasn't really cognizant. Uh, The men had matching blue uniforms with caps similar to military cadets. They were, quote, nearly human, but not quite, with black hair, dark eyes, prominent noses, and bluish lips, grayish skin. In dreams, the men walked them up the ramp, separated them to conduct tests. Um, A new being called the Examiner. Uh, saw, uh, sat her in a chair and ran experiments, took a lock of her hair, examined her eyes, ears, mouth, teeth, throat, and hands, saved trimmings from her fingernails and skin shavings. These are all in her dreams, by the way. Mm-hmm. Uh, tested her nervous system, inserted a large needle into her abdomen. <gasps> when she began to scream out in pain, he waved a hand over her eyes and the pain vanished. <gasps> Where are those drugs? Girl, I know, right? When the exam was over, she met with the leader. She picked up a book with strange symbols on it, and he told her that she could have it. She asked where they were from. He showed her, um, like, an instructional map dotted with stars. She and Barney were being escorted uh, out of the ship when a disagreement broke out um, among the beings. The leader informed Betty that she couldn't take the book. The others had decided that they didn't even want her to remember the encounter. Betty insisted that no matter what they did to her memory, she would always recall the events that happened. She and Barney were taken to their car, where they were told to wait and watch the craft disappear. They did so and continued on their drive. Wow. So that's what happened in her dreams, right? That's what came back to her. So it sounds like she got a physical and a souvenir 
But then they reneged on the souvenir. Right. They were like, actually, no take-backsies. November 25th, they interviewed again with the NICAP members. Hill, uh, the Hills had reported uh, that they arrived later than they had anticipated. But upon review, they said that the trip, which was initially supposed to be four hours, took them seven hours to get home from Colebrook. Wow. Um, the Hills had no explanation and no recollection of the 35 miles between Lincoln, Indian Head, to Ashland, which is where they, like, totally blacked mm-hmm. out. And they're like, I don't remember how we got here. So hypnosis had been brought up again and again and again. Um, Barney was apprehensive but thought it might help Betty with what he called the nonsense in her dreams. Mm-hmm. By February 1962, the couple was making frequent drives through the White Mountains, trying to locate the site where they had seen the fiery orb. So they were going back through that pass, like trying oh, to see, trying to see if they could figure out like where this stuff had happened to them. So just continuing to revisit their crime scene, like over and over. Yeah, that can't be good for your no. psyche. It's got to be fucked up. Um, so they began hypnosis with a guy named Benjamin Simon in January 1964. So this is like two and a half years later, right? He hypnotized Betty and Barney several times, each separately from one another, so they never heard what the other person had to say. For the most part. Um, they're, the things that they described together matched, but it wasn't the same as, like, her dreams that she had had. Um, they were kind of similar, but the things that they said matched each other more than they matched, like, her dreams. Um, but the things that were different from her dreams were um, Betty had experienced a great amount of emotional distress during her capture and her, le- her release, which she didn't remember in her dreams. Simon um, ended one of the sessions early because she was describing something and she had tears just pouring out of her face. And he was like, all right, let's stop this. He told her afterward, like, if she wanted to try and, like, remember things on her own or if she wanted to take the time, she should work on drawing that star map that they showed her where she was like, where are you guys from? And they were like, okay, well, this is a map of the stars and this is where we're from. So he was like, why don't you work on that? After the hypnosis sessions, Simon speculated that Barney's recollection of the UFO encounter was possibly a fantasy that was inspired by Betty's dreams. Mm. Um, Barney rejected that idea as their memories had been consistent with one another with the exception of what happened to them when they were separated. They went Mm. through different things um, when they were split up. And though the Hills and Simon disagreed about the full nature of the case, they, uh, as far as they were all concerned, the hypnosis sessions were a success and they were effective and that the Hills were no longer tormented by the anxiety about the experience. So whether or not they agreed that it had really happened, they were like, well, you know what, like, we're not like stressed about it anymore because we think we remember what happened and we were really freaked out about like not knowing what the fuck was going on. Um, and, and now we now, feel like we do. Now that we know we can move on kind right. of thing. Okay. So that kind of thing. I can see how that's where you're just like, I can't really change what happened in the past, so I might as well move on. And at least now I know what yeah. I know, so I can move on. So there have been, like, books written about it. There's been all sorts of stuff. Um, and they wanted to get back to their regular lives. But, of course, like, it was they, – they didn't make any effort to, like, make any money off of this or, like, sell their story. Like, they just wanted to live, like, normal lives. But the cool thing to me was the – so she made that star map, right? She was like, okay, well, this is the star map that I made. Um, and uh, in 1968, Marjorie Fish of Oak Harbor, Ohio, read Fuller's Interrupted Journey, which is a book that somebody wrote about their story. Uh, she was an elementary school teacher and an amateur astronomer. 
Intrigued by the star map, Fish wondered if it might be deciphered to determine which star system the UFO came from. Assuming that one of the 15 stars on the map must represent Earth's sun, Fish constructed a three-dimensional model of nearby sun-like stars using thread and beads, basing stellar distances on those published in the 1969 Gliese Star Catalog. Studying thousands of vantage points over several years, the only one that seemed to match the hill map was from the viewpoint of the double star system of Zeta Reticuli. Fish sent her analysis to Webb, agreeing with her conclusions. Webb sent the map to Terrence Dickinson, editor of popular magazine Astronomy. Dickinson did not endorse Fish and Webb's conclusions, but for the first time in the journal's history, Astronomy invited comments and debate on a UFO report, starting with an opening article in the December 1974 issue. For about a year afterward, the, o- the opinions page of Astronomy carried arguments for and against Fish's star map. Hmm. Notable was an argument made by Carl Sagan and Stephen Soder, arguing that the seeming star map was little more than random alignment of chance points. In an episode of Cosmos in 1980, Sagan demonstrated that without the lines drawn in the maps, the hill map bore no resemblance to the real-life star map. In contrast, those more favorable to the map, such as David Saunders, a statistician who had been on the Condon UFO study, argued that unusual alignment of key sun-like stars in a plane centered around the Zeta Reticuli, first described by Fish, was statistically improbable to have happened by chance from a random group of stars in our immediate neighborhood. So you've got two conflicting theories about that map right one person is like because when she drew the map by the way it wasn't just like a series of dots right like she had drawn out what were like trade routes Mm -hmm. between like solar systems and stars and shit and Mm -hmm. she was like these are the stars where people don't really travel that often and these are the stars where like they like like this area trades with this area and this like they ship through here and like they fly through here and some people were like you throw that around, you're going you're gonna to find some stars in the universe that are going to match up with that. And then there are some people who are like, fuck that. That's a pretty specific pattern for us to be able to find a viewpoint and be like, no, that's here, that's here, that's here, that's here, that's here. And they weren't just random stars. They were stars that are, quote, sun-like, which means they're thought to be able to create and withstand the life source that, like, the sun has. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So there's planets like us out there. That theoretically, that are further around along. the areas that she was like, they're here, here, here. They live here, here, here. They trade Can we there, send there. our commander in chief to one of those? Oh, girl, he wants to start that space force. He does start it at a Zeta Reticuli. But didn't he take away funding for NASA? <sighs> girl, he did a lot of things, I'm and they're all terrible. Confused, bish. So, but you know what I'm not confused about? Aliens, they're real. Do you have any questions about what happened to Barney and Betty Hill? I mean, I do and I don't. Like, I have questions, but are they going to be answered? No. Maybe. What What's, are your questions? Uh, what was Barney's favorite color? Oh, red. Do you, is that true? I don't know. <laughs> Put me on the spot like that. Um, I shot on the spot. Shot on the spot. <laughs> Um, I did think of, and I'm sure it was, you know, partially taken from this, like the, like, couple in season two of American Horror Story, where it's, like, the interracial couple who, like, they get terrorized by some people, and then there's Mm -hmm. aliens. Um, And that was another thing where some people were, like, they were just so traumatized by being an interracial couple that, like, this is, like, a thing that they made up. Um, and I they remember- were like, we were, uh, they were like, we didn't have any problems as an interracial couple. Like we lived 
up north. We weren't in the south. Nobody really bothered us. Like, our families didn't have a problem with it. Like, we didn't have any stress related to being an interracial couple. We were a happy couple. Things right. were fine. Um, I And I might be wrong about this, but I remember hearing vaguely about the story on another podcast I was listening to. And I feel like one of the points that they brought up was that there was an episode of a popular TV show that introduced aliens and that that might have been a basis like they had watched that show and it had like gotten into Betty's mind and she had these dreams. Somebody said something about um, the outer limits, right? That, yeah. Um, something about like the way that they had described them. Were very similar to the same. Yeah. In his 1990 article, entirely uh, unpredisposed, Martin Kottmeyer suggested that Barney's memories revealed under hypnosis might have been influenced by an episode of the science fiction television show The Outer Limits, uh, titled The Bolero Shield, which was broadcast about two weeks before Barney's first hypnotic session. The episode featured um, an extraterrestrial with large eyes who says, in all the universe, in all the un- in all the unities beyond the universes, all who have eyes have eyes that speak. The report from the regression featured a scenario that was in some respects similar to the television show in part, Kottmeyer wrote. Wraparound eyes are an extreme rarity in science fiction films. Uh, I know of only one instance they appeared in this episode of Outer Limits, Valero Shield, person familiar with Barney Sketch, blah, 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 blah. So it is a potential theory that's out there? About, like, because of the way it looked, maybe. Yeah. But, like... When the different researcher asked Betty about the Outer Limits, she insisted she had never heard of it. Kottmeyer also pointed out that some motifs of the Hills account was present in the 1953 film Invaders from Mars. Mm -hmm. A careful analysis of Barney's description of the non-human entities that he observed reveals significant similarities between the Bifrost Man and Barney's descriptive details. One must also take into account Barney's conscious, continuous recall of the entities he observed on the hovering craft. They were dressed in black, shiny uniforms and were somehow not human. Yeah. So. I'm ready for the alien abduction story that comes from someone watching Mars attacks late at night and then that embedding itself in their brain. Right. And they were like, oh, my God, I was running from and they were like. It was just the most annoying sound I could have in my life. And I wanted to die. And then I put on this classical music and their head Jessica Parker's head was on a dog. It was super weird. (laughs) That movie. God. Now, that's a movie I have seen, yeah. but I would love it if I hadn't seen it and someone tried to describe it to me. That's a movie I've seen. I, I love I've it. Seen I've seen it. it so many times. I haven't seen it a lot of times, oh, but I know I've seen it. it. And the first time I saw it was like I wasn't until like college or something. Like I hadn't seen it when I was younger. I was in high school. I think I saw it. Yeah. Surprisingly enough, for the content and the type of movie, I saw it younger than I thought I would <laughs> when see your, it. When your parents would have been like, that's the devil. I know, right? Oh, the South. But then they let me watch Team America as soon as I was 18. Because they were like, fuck yeah. One of my mom's favorite jokes was, uh, what's the difference between beer nuts and deer nuts? What? Beer nuts are three for a dollar, and deer nuts are just under a buck. Stop. <laughs> There's another... That was like, st- my mom loved that joke. There's another stupid joke I heard, too, about something of like... um a deer walking into a bar and then leaving all fucked up and you would leave fucked up too if you just blew 50 bucks. Stop. It's not, my uh, delivery was not good, but that's the base, like the basis of the joke. Two guys walk into a bar, you figure the second one would have seen it. Stop. 
piece of rope walks into a bar. Bartender says, hey, we don't serve rope here. You got to get out. And he leaves, and he ties himself into a knot, and he messes up his bangs a little bit, and he comes back in, and the bartender says, hey, aren't you a piece of rope? And he says, afraid not. (laughs) Horse walks into the bar. Bartender says, what the get out of here? You're a horse. (laughs) (laughs) Ah! Get the fuck out of my bar. <laughs> um, do you know how to catch bowler bear? Very carefully. Mm-mm. You cut a hole in the ice. You put peas around the hole. So when the polar bear comes up to take a pee, you kick him in the ice hole. <laughs> I hate you so much. Oh, my God. That was what my dad told me as a child, That's and a I will one. never forget it. It's awful. It's so bad. Oh, man. That's our new podcast, Awful Jokes. <laughs> I'm just kidding. It's called Dead Time Stories. Did you um hear about that lady rapper that only raps when stop, she's on her period? Stop. Stop. I have heard about her. Because they say she has a mean flow. <laughs> I'm Stephanie. And I'm Sarah. And this has been Dead, Dead Time, Time Stories. Uh, please, guys, always and forever, jump on, follow us, subscribe to us on iTunes, Stitcher, Google Play, wherever you listen to your podcasts. I cannot express enough how important it is to please, oh, please rate and review us. Tell your friends. Tell your friends to rate and review us. It makes a really huge difference for us in that weird thing called an algorithm or however that shit works. So if you really like what we're doing, which we hope you do, um, please get on. Give us just a quick little rating review. Let us know what you think. And as always, we love to hear from you guys. Shoot us an email. We can be found at Deadtime Stories with a Z, all one word, at gmail.com. We're also Deadtime Stories on Instagram, on Twitter, on Facebook. Reach out to us. Tell us your ghost stories. Tell us what you want to hear us talk about. Um, tell us your personal anecdotes. Tell us hi. We got uh, an email from a listener. We did. Zach. Uh, <laughs> a friend's listener. He's a friend friend's listener. Life. He's somebody I know from back home who um, his email said that he's had sex with someone who then ghosted him. Does that count? As a ghost dick? As I'm going to have to say yes. Or as like, you know, a ghost sexual encounter, I think, because we asked about those. I'm going to say my verdict is yes. What is your verdict? Well, then that's happened to me too. Hashtag ghost dick. Oh. Thanks for listening, guys. Have a great day. Night. Whatever you're doing. Dead Time Stories is hosted by Sarah Heddens and Stephanie C. Ferguson. Music and editing by Eric Gershnow. Artwork by Rennie Slackman. 